0: All right, hello everyone and welcome to this month's coffee chat I'm your host Justin otherwise known as SGP I am the uh, organizer of the mineral community Workgroup. it's a volunteer work group of people who want to come together and just make Monero great again apparently so um, with us we have a large number of other participants we also have some special guests for us to introduce later but Let's just go down the list. Uh, everyone can introduce themselves, so people are familiar. Of course, we're live streaming directly on YouTube, so if you would like to leave a question for us to answer, we'll do our best to answer questions that you have. This is supposed to be a pretty casual and very interactive conversation, so we're happy to uh, happy to answer questions if you have them. So uh, I'm just gonna keep drinking my coffee, since this is the Coffee Chat, and I'm going to ask Corseray to introduce themselves.
1: Hi everybody, I am Saray Noether, I am a PhD researcher at Monero Research Lab. Uh, right now I am working on multi-signatures and hanging out. Uh, I just finished my coffee so I'm not pouring anymore because I'm about to vibrate through a wall.
0: Okay, welcome Saray, we, oh, we always have you on so it's great. Um, next, Knife of Pie.
2: Hello guys, I'm Knife of Pi. I develop for Cake Wallet, which is an iOS Monero wallet. And I'm sorry, folks, I don't have coffee today and I don't have my camera on, but I do have a bottle of ice water, which I think is good enough for the coffee chat.
0: Yeah, all drinks are welcome here at the coffee chat, despite its misleading name. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Diego.
3: Hey, everybody. My name is Diego. Uh, you guys know me as Robard, if you know me. Uh, I do stuff in the community, like I work on the website, I help out recovery, I, um, anything I can get my hands in, the infrastructure portion, like Taiga, Mattermost, and finding other stuff that can be useful to the work groups and stuff, so anything I can stick my hands in, I, I try to do so, do what I can for the community. I don't have any drinks with me right now, actually, but I do have my burrito, My burrito that my wife makes eggs and beans and stuff, it's really good. Um, So that'll have to suffice.
0: Yep. That sounds good to me, especially if it's around lunchtime, which I know it is for me. All right. So uh, crypto changement. Let's see if you have your audio working. Would
4: you like to try to introduce yourself to everyone here? Yep. Yeah. So I go by crypto changements in the community, and I've been working for quite a while now on the monero integrations project uh i also work a bit with the GUI wallet um and yeah that's mostly what i do i don't have coffee but i probably should have because i told you that i do since i don't have my camera on and nobody would know
0: okay thank you crypto changements it's always great to have you on here do you actually prefer a crypto changement or crypto change i just curious
4: Um, either, or on IRC, it cuts off the S so gotcha, gotcha.
0: All right. And then last, but certainly not least, we have Ed, would you like to introduce yourself Ed? speak a little bit about your background too, for everyone here? Yeah,
5: Yeah, my name is Ed Moncada. I am a co-founder and CEO of Blockfolio. Um, pretty much spend all of my waking hours on that. Recently, we've launched a feature called signal. Uh, that allows um, token teams to broadcast directly to our users. And we've been working with the Monero outreach group, uh, you know, and helping Monero, uh, you know, update the Monero user base or token base uh, about developments that are going on in your ecosystem.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So thank you for involving the Monero community in that. I know we are probably one of the strangier communities to work around since you couldn't just uh, have a direct PR contact that you could necessarily-
5: there's a CEO. It's made us think a lot about how we're going to grow out the platform to kind of uh, build it around the, the, the decentralized needs of our ecosystem. I mean, Monero is not going to be the only one that, that has this kind of unique structure. And so uh, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting uh, problems we're going to need to solve uh, to to really find a good fit for the for the product.
0: So I'm curious. Uh, I imagine that you wanted to have like Bitcoin represented in your signal platform in, in some way. What would what do you think would be your process for reaching out to, I, I guess, important stakeholders that you feel would represent Bitcoin? Is that something you wouldn't want to touch? Like how would you approach that situation.
5: Yeah, we, Bitcoin's an interesting one. We've actually been, uh, we've, we've been kind of thinking about how we'd approach that. Our, our, just in general right now, the way we've approached it is whoever's kind of pushing code, you know, to the GitHub or, you know, advancing the protocol. Uh, you know, these, these are the kind of, uh, 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 you know, participants that we, we usually go out for. And I guess we, we, we talk to them and, and they, they kind of authorize other team members to do broadcasting on behalf of uh of the protocol and so with bitcoin you know we, we've been considering you know reaching out to Blockstream, uh you know maybe having them uh, uh kind of help us get a better idea of what, what the best way it would be to approach uh uh bitcoin signal updates uh but yeah we still haven't really uh, you know just to be totally transparent we still haven't figured out how we want to approach bitcoin monero was an interesting one too because uh you know, the, usually what we do is uh, we'll have a video call and kind of make sure that, you know, uh, verify the 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 whoever it is that's broadcasting on the other side is part of the team. Uh, but what's interesting about Monero is that uh, XMR uh, Halion uh, wanted to stay completely anonymous. Uh, so we had to kind of work around that and kind of figure out a, a system, uh, you know, I ended up reaching out to Fluffy Pony, uh, you know, to get to get, kind of get his blessing, you know, let, let, let us know that, you know, XMR is the, the, right, the, the, the right guy, to, XMR Xmar is the right guy to be talking to about the updates.
4: It was actually,
3: uh, if, I, if I could pop in on here, it was, it was actually a uh, kind of a spectacle inside in, within our community as well. And I think this, this just kind of highlights uh, how we try to do things decentralized as much as possible. We don't always succeed, but we try because the idea that one person or a few people be a fluffy pony, or even the core team centralization around them is not ultimately what we want long-term. It may be necessary for now to keep the project moving or for various reasons, but ultimately what we want is just really as complete decentralization as possible. And uh, so usually, I mean, we've got many contributors that are under pseudonyms. We don't know who they really are. And uh, people like Monero Mu and um, and they do great work, but they've built a reputation around that pseudonym type thing. And so even within our community, XMR Halen was quite new. Um, he I don't, he had, Yeah, he just like popped out. He's like, oh, so here's what I want to do. And
2: I want to create a PR work group. And then everybody well, so said, oh, we got to call it outreach because PR
5: is too corporate. <laughs> what's interesting about this is that that w- the way the way that we envision signal working is we don't necessarily want one individual that's broadcasting updates that are going on the protocols. What I what I personally would love to see is you know I, I don't want to see standard PR hype for these protocols. I don't really believe that's the best way to grow their communities or the healthiest way. I'd love to see a, a kind of this platform become something where you know uh, you know developers are you know. A number of people have voices underneath the umbrella of, of a protocol, and that there's a number of different uh, relevant participants who are broadcasting updates, you know, whether it might be biz dev updates or uh, uh, protocol advancements, uh, you know, GitHub pushes, whatever it might be. Because I think I think I want to I'd love to see like more, more of a cadence from the teams, uh, just kind of showing consistent development and progress. I think that's a healthier way to grow the ecosystem rather than what, you know, we often see in the ecosystem, you know, a lot of these uh, um, kind of bogus partnerships that people are constantly broadcasting. Um, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But at the same time, we wanted to build a platform where, you know, we just are going to provide the framework and we kind of just have to let the protocols kind of, you know, the, the different blockchains use it however they're going to use it and Kind of, uh, and kind of recommend best practices to them. So. Right, and, and
3: in this sense, I think it's really cool that you're working with Monero in this way uh, because, because Monero does try to do exactly that, we, like we have these people responsible for outreach, people responsible for code. I'm getting some echo from from you.
0: Yeah, I muted him. Um, he can
3: unmute himself when he's ready to talk. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> um, so like some people responsible for outreach, some people responsible for coding, some people responsible for, now we've got a marketing things starting up, which is separate from the outreach and stuff. And we got community. So different people responsible for different things. And it's so awesome because ultimately, like, like what the vision that you're talking about is, is really what needs to be happening is that, you know, some people like somebody responsible for the community work group is going to be coming in and saying, okay, Hey, we're doing this thing. You should come by. So for example, like this coffee chat was just uh, announced on the block folio. That's kind of cool. You know, it's coming from the community um, and the outreach, doing different stuff. And, the work group structure is just it's so it's so ingenious and it, it shows the power that decentralization does not have to be significantly weaker than a centralized structure. I mean, there are there's always going to be pros and cons and there's always going to be some weaknesses, but um, it, it doesn't have to be significantly weaker where, where if we don't have one person calling the shots and saying this, that goes this there then we're, we're screwed, and that's not the case. And it's really cool because Monero is living proof that this is, you know, there are some stumbles. Uh, we, we mess up sometimes, and sometimes communication is always, isn't always is always as good as it could be, but we're, we're chugging along, and we're not completely screwed yet.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good perspective. And with the Monero community work group, as you know, Diego, since you're you know, part of the sure. organization team of the, the Monero work group, right? Um, we, as the community work group, we, we our, our primary goal has sort of evolved, but it's really been clear that it, or it's, it's clear that it's become a sort of role where we make sure that the community is decentralized, yet within this decentralization, we can still organize into individual work groups in order to still get things done. So we have, for example localizations that need to get done for the GUI wallet and pretty much anything else including the website and anything that needs translations and so it's convenient to be able to have someone that helps organize that initiative but it doesn't, I mean if someone doesn't like to participate in that they're welcome to create their own work group, they're welcome to submit changes on GitHub like anyone else, they can participate in localization even if they don't participate in this work group so there's it's not like a requirement, but it's still good to allow organization in a way where you still don't have someone that's responsible for the protocol itself uh, because it's, it's a big community effort, and I think that really highlights that. Okay, any other thoughts before we kind of get in a little bit more with uh, some of the other Monero news going on?
1: Well, uh, going back to the whole decision making and decentralized uh, uh, pr- <laughs> creation process is it really it goes down to like the roots of how democracy and society is supposed to work—that everybody should be able to contribute, and that you know uh, no one person a priori should be like valued over other people. The value of their work should be based on their merit, and I think that uh, you know having that spirit both in Monero. And in the broader Bitcoin economy is, is like, you know, I think it brings a lot of us into the space. But yeah, I didn't really have anything to say. I should have just let you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So uh, I think we're going to switch to Monero Research Lab updates. Um, and I'm going to open with something that Sarang sent me. Uh, and then we can hand it over to Brandon, of course, where we can obviously talk more about what's going on in the Monero Research Lab spaces he's directly involved in it. Um, but Sarang sent me some really interesting updates regarding the uh, Bulletproof audit. So we're finally getting some news back and I'm gonna read word for word what he said and then we can talk about what this means. Uh, but uh, he specifically said, and I quote, <clears throat> Kodelsky Security completed their reports. They found only a few minor issues that are trivial to correct and no major issues. We will send Kodelsky status updates on each issue to be issued in the released version of the report, which will be made public as soon as it is updated. That's what Sarang sent me. So it seems like there's overall very positive news for Monero and Bulletproofs. There are, Kudelsky did not find any major errors. Uh, Monero Moo is already working on patching the small issues that they. Said that should be looked at. I don't know too much more in detail about what these really are, what potential impacts these are. But those will be made public once uh, Seren's able to kind of, I guess, settle, basically finalize the agreement, settle it a little bit, and then it'll be published for the whole community to see. So that's like really great uh, news. And I actually just happened to look at chat, and I got a great question that came in, which is, "What are (laughs) bulletproofs?" So Brandon, I'm going to actually hand this over to you. If you could give your update, but if you can start with, like, what are bulletproofs to remind everyone in the audience?
1: All right. So a a zero-knowledge proof is a way of proving that you know something without revealing that thing that you know. And it sounds kind of weird, right? But um, let's say that you want to prove that you have the key to a secret to to a door, right? Um, but you don't want to show the key to anybody, uh. So you kind of like have them step out of the room when you open the door, um, with your secret key, uh, and then you like do something behind the door to convince them when they've stepped out of the room that uh, uh you actually have the key in the first place. A zero knowledge proof is a very formal way of saying, okay, I have this thing, but I'm not going to show it to you. Um, And bulletproofs are an extremely efficient uh, uh, way of evaluating um, zero-knowledge proofs uh, or constructing zero-knowledge proofs. uh, And they use constructions that are based on arithmetic circuits or arithmetic circuits. Um, And essentially, uh, basically, if you visualize a big graph of arithmetic... If you can prove that you know something that starts down here and ends out, and spits out at the top up here, and you have the output, if you want to prove that you know the input that corresponds to the output, bullet proofs are just this short, snappy, really quick, easy to prove zero-knowledge proof of the pre-image of an arithmetic circuit. That's probably the shortest, snappiest way I can say it. But really, what it comes down to is for Monero. They are short, fast range proofs. And so they are going to be making our transactions much, much, much smaller and faster. Um, we coded it up earlier this year. I shouldn't say we, because I was not involved in coding it up. MoneroMu coded it up earlier this year. We got it audited. Kudelski just came back, came back with uh, uh, their report. Um, no major problems with it. We did know of um, a malleability problem Uh, that we were anticipating that they would like point out to us, um, but we didn't know of any possible exploits and uh, they didn't see any exploits with it. So that's a good news too. So really what it comes down to is basically everything is shiny with Bulletproofs. As far as we know, we still have two two more auditing groups to finish. Um, But in the meantime, that suggests that at the next hard fork, uh, Monero transactions are gonna be smaller. And so our transaction fees are gonna be smaller and our network might speed up a little bit. Um, and in the meantime, you can rely on the safety of zero knowledge proofs instead of, well, I guess I, our, our current range proofs, I think our current range proofs are also zero knowledge proofs. They are, they are they zero are. knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're not really improving in that regard, we're just going speed in space. So there you right, go. I
2: think, I think if I'm not wrong, that bullet proofs have some kind of improved degree of quantum resistance.
1: I am not going to make any claims about that. I do not know. Okay. Um. Yeah.
0: So. So yeah. So it looks like Brandon has probably just made his own quantum computer and is making a switch over to this bulletproof protocol that he knows can be compromised by his pre-existing quantum computer. This is a long con for you, is it, Brandon?
1: You know it. That's the problem with like bug bounties, right? Yeah, yeah exit scam 2023 but it's more going to be like twenty twenty thirty because i'm going to live forever
2: your quantum it's like real mortality
1: too oh yeah it's like the real long con <laughs>
4: <laughs> so a question about bulletproofs is um basically what i've heard i'm not completely sure is that the fee algorithm is going to have to be uh, kind of restructured with the next fork with the multi-output bulletproofs. Can you kind of clear that out for me? Um...
1: Uh, Yeah, so our current fee structures are going to be changing a little bit. Um, Overall, our transactions are going to be smaller and faster, and so people should be paying less fees. Um, But in addition to that, due to the algorithmic, or I didn't want to say algorithmic, the data structures that are that, are, that come along equipped with bulletproofs, um, the uh, the fee structures weren't obvious to us at first. Um, so what we did is we kind of like defined this virtual size of a block or a transaction instead of the actual size of a transaction. We called it the weight um, using both space and time. And then we did some like algebra tricks. And like in the end, what we ended up deciding on is basically fees are gonna be proportional to outputs. So if you send 17 outputs, you're gonna be sending 17 times the amount of fees as if you send one output per transaction. Um, And it's pretty simple, but we're gonna be scaling them down so that in total they don't cost quite so much. I believe Arctic Mine is working out the formulas in more detail. Um, At least this is what I recall from the last conversation I had about this. So that's weird to me.
0: Uh, If you're directly comparing it to the number of outputs Okay I kind of changed my mind in the process of saying this. I was going to say, does that take a, or reduce the incentive for mining pools exchanges to batch transactions but I changed my mind because you have a change output so it would still have an incentive to batch transactions.
1: Yeah, and it turns out that if you do it the way that we're doing it, um, you sort of undercompensate miners if they're doing really, really big transactions, and you sort of overcompensate miners for doing really, really small transactions. But the effect is so tiny that to call it an incentive is probably not fair. Um, So in the end, it's all going to boil down to batching is kind of taken care of with bulletproofs. and they're already so much faster and smaller than what we currently see. There's only so much, I mean, incentivizing people from 95% improvement to 95.5% improvement is just like a way, yeah, it's, it's uh, reduced rates of return.
3: And I think, I think this is a, a, an issue for a lot of people that they don't quite understand it. Like, well, if Bulletproofs are gonna reduce the size by 80%, why wouldn't fees be reduced by 80%? And for sure, we're gonna see a fee reduction, but it may not be as big as some people think. And people just don't understand that, that uh, especially Monero is so multifaceted. For example, uh, yes, the size of the transaction matters and range proofs right now are the biggest, uh, but uh, once range proofs are not the biggest, it's gonna be ring signatures after bullet proofs. They're gonna be the biggest part of the transaction. And so, and even, even then, uh, the size of the transaction isn't the only thing we have to take into account. We also have to take into account how long it takes to verify the, uh, the transaction, uh, verifying all these proofs and stuff that each computer does when you download it from a full node. So just because like, if, he, if we set the fee structure, we have to set it from the, the most expensive part of the transaction, whether that's verification or, or size. So right now, uh, verification's down here, size is up here, so we have to set fees up here. And then with bulletproofs, it's gonna go down, but verification, I mean it's gonna improve some from what I understand, but it's still gonna be higher. So but so we can't adjust the fee all the way down here. We have to meet the uh, the verification time now in terms of fees, because now that's the most expensive part of the transaction. So it's not just one thing, it's not just one facet of any given transaction that determines the fees. There's so many of the stuff, so much of the stuff working together, and all of this stuff has to be considered because. Otherwise, you just find, I mean, I wouldn't call them exploits, but you'd find ways that people can kind of take
1: advantage of, uh, of the protocol. That's um, 100%, this is all 100% correct. Uh, what Diego just said about space and time is how we kind of like defined a virtual block or a virtual size, right? And so you have to take both of them into account in order to fairly compensate people. Sorry to interrupt, Diego. That's
0: all so, for me. I, yeah, so I have a quick question. Um, or I could, this is actually not a very quick question, so I apologize. Uh, so we're reducing the block size, or we're reducing the transaction sizes, and the verification time is also decreasing more than was originally anticipated. So it's all very good news in general with bulletproofs. Uh, and I know that there's an opportunity, whether the community decides to take it or not, to increase ring sizes, to increase privacy, as a result and how much should it be increased? I assume that no one wants to fill the, all of the savings with additional ring sizes. But like, if the community wanted to do, to do something relatively crazy, let's say, bump the ring size to 50, say, a large number for every transaction, um, according to the data I have, and it's probably not as thorough as what other researchers and all have, It should still be smaller than transactions are right now, and the verification time should – I'm getting it's about a 60% – no, okay, never mind. Verification time increases a lot. Um, yeah, with a ring
1: size 50, that would be a long verification time. Uh, the numbers that I was expecting, we might be able to get up to like ring size 16 or 17 or something like that right now. But the important thing, one important thing is that that breaks the ring size barrier for sublinear ring signatures uh, for roughing. And this is uh, Tim Roughing's uh, sublinear si- scheme based on Boodle's signatures from earlier last year. Um he also has come up with a new one that is even faster and smaller. So the fact that these bulletproofs are now live makes it so that, uh, it it is a reasonable decision now to switch over to these sublinear ring signatures. Um, unfortunately, key structures have to change. It's a big change. And so we're, we're starting to look into that. We're starting to feel out how that would go, but it's a, um, it's an exciting time to be breaking through ring size twelve. That was now, the point at which would I was they, getting. Do these
2: sublinear ring signatures require an audit as well?
1: Um, once they're done, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're every time you code up your own crypto scheme, you're going to want to get that code uh, checked yeah. by somebody okay. <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, the, uh, what I hate about the auditing thing is that it's this f- big financial burden on the community on our community and then other coins then go like just fork our code but like that's kind of like the whole decentralized spirit in a certain sense and like I'm happy that Monero is putting out code that is vetted because if we are doing a roll your own crypto thing and doing our bulletproofs and in with our curve 25519 and like we're not checking it out appropriately we're not doing our due diligence we're putting people's safety at risk um i don't like the idea of you know switching over to sublinear ring signatures and then trying to scrape together another fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars for coupling a couple of audit teams but if that's what it's going to take uh to make sure that monero has improved privacy so that p our users like can confidently so the let me let me say, it's not just like size and space improvements. The new roughing scheme, the new sublinear scheme has improved privacy claims in addition. So there's an argument there that we're kind of like obligated to switch up, even Could if it's...
0: You, I, so I haven't heard the, the argument for the increased privacy claims. Could you cover the um, basics of what, what these are?
1: Uh, so they formally were able to... Uh, so uh, I was... I'm pretty sure I can talk about this. Um, I was told to not share the paper. I was not told to not talk about this. Um, So they were able to formally define what a ring confidential transaction is um, as a cryptographic primitive. And when they did this, they formally defined several um, uh, security properties of these primitives like spender ambiguity and and stuff like that. And uh, for example, our current Monero one-time keys, do not satisfy, um, I think, a, a, a receiver um, anonymity description that they have in a very strict way. Whereas, like, if you relax the description a little bit, then we satisfy their their uh, receiver anonymity um, security property. But so the the point is that they have these extra security models that are now provable, and if we're going to be built. Building a ring confidential transaction-based currency around them, we should be having provable security. And so, even if we already think Monero is tight, and personally I think that Monero is tight um, and safe, uh, if we can't if we can't prove it, then we should move to a provable system. Um, so, in addition to that, we have the space and uh, verification time claims uh, on top of that. So, the value of implementing it is probably greater than uh, the last scheme, which was kind of on the borderline.
0: Awesome, so thank you for like all that perspective. I know there's a lot of discussions, especially, and they always come back to these two different signatures, but it's nice to have a discussion more about the stealth address side, how um, yes, we make the claims that you don't know what the recipient is, but it, um, it definitely would be nice to move to a provable system where you can prove explicitly that they don't have access to this information, so that's that's something I was not aware of in this uh, this roughing aspect you explained. So it's good that the community is sort of aware of that because, um, yeah, I think that's a new perspective at least to most people.
1: Yeah, I've also been really trying to not blab my mouth about it too much until I really understand the thorough the the depth of this paper. Um, it's it's a good paper. It's a really good scheme. It's very clever. Um, which oftentimes is not a compliment calling something clever in cryptography. um, But I like it a lot. And so I want to make sure that I don't misspeak. Also the last time that we talked about sublinear ring signatures last year, um, I was like, Oh, they're logarithmically sized. That means like we could do like a hundred thousand ring members for the same size as like, you know, this, and that's true. But like verification time will be a hundred thousand times what we're currently seeing. So like, that's not, Help, that's not a helpful observation, right? <laughs> so, I want to make sure that I don't um oversell it. Gotcha, yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's, a, that's awesome, though. So, it's good to hear. So, do you anticipate uh that you will push for a larger ring size for the fall? Do you anticipate that you might encourage like 10 or 15 as a, an appropriate ring size?
1: I, I personally think at this point, um. Okay, I'm literally doing calculations right now on churn to inform that decision. So I don't know. Um, I'm really looking
0: forward to that data. <laughs> there,
1: there, there's a good argument to be made that a larger ring size always produces better anonymity with like no end in sight. And so really you have to ask yourself, what costs are you willing to pay? Um there's also an argument to be made based on some of these formulas that I'm looking at that it's possible that I can like look at the point at which the gain is negligible and then maybe I can be like, oh well, once we're past twenty-two, we can just call it quits. And if we if we can get up to twenty two, like, man, that's so close to seven right now. Like for triple our current verification time, we can just like call it quits for ring size forever? Like, really? I, I mean that sound that's tempting to me. But then like if I said that out loud, I'm sure like smooth would like start yelling at me about like costs to the blockchain, but Aeon coin can do what they want and we can do what we want. Right.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So, and I want to re-include you in this conversation. I think that concludes most of the Monero research We'll have updates. That's really cool. Um, And I'm really curious to see if you have any questions for us. I mean, I know that none of us represent Monero in entirety, so it's not like, if we're gonna sign a legal document here or anything, but I'm just curious if you had any questions for, I don't know, people of the Monero community that are pretty involved and just wanna know more things about people who volunteer their time here. And you're muted, so I'm, Can you? would you mind, uh, thank you. <laughs> you're still muted, it's in, within Jitsi, so if you click at the bottom center of the screen, there you go. You're good now, I think.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, uh, now I think your computer is new. <laughs> We always have trouble here. This is this, this uh disorganization and issues with everything is just what makes Mintero what it is. So just own it I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so, try, maybe yeah, try restarting free. the program or something. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I mean feel free to Let's go. Oh, yeah, it looks like he's trying to restart it. So um, once he can jump back in and, uh, interrupt us at any time, uh, is there any other thing, conversations that people need to have? I have one big one that I'd like to save for a, minute, a little later. So sure, I, uh,
3: I, I have a little one. Uh, I don't know if people have been, I, I don't normally keep a whole lot of tabs on the rest of the cryptocurrency space. I like Monero. It's pretty chill and I don't, I have a life, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, one thing that did catch my attention because it was get, going all over the place was, uh, the nano cryptocurrency was giving a lot of money to the Venezuelan people. And the fact that it's a fee-less currency and whatever you think of nano, I I honestly don't care. Uh, It's a fact that it's a fee-less currency is making a big deal for the Venezuelan people because um, the, like the the minimum wage there is a few dollars per month. And so what made, what 50 50 cents is to us to to send a Monero (laughs) transaction is actually uh, quite a bit of money back for them a week or two weeks worth of wages and it and, it, and that to me just really shows me the um, the necessity to optimize as much as possible the uh, the blockchain on chain and stuff like that and, and to make things as, as big as possible because some so, some people aren't as rich as first world and these these things make a massive difference and Monero might just be unusable for that people group, and that might be one of the people groups that need Monero the most. So just, I don't know, that, just any thoughts on that real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump back to to Ed. Sorry.
0: Can you guys hear me now?
4: Yes, we can. All
0: right, great. Sorry about that. Yes, we can hear you. No worries. So same exact question. Uh, what questions do you have for us here? Is there anything that you want to focus the conversation on?
5: Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kind of uh, b- better understanding about, you know, I mean, I think you guys take a lot of pride in being a completely decentralized community, and uh, and I think uh, just within the context of Blockfolio and, and the feature that we're that we've been rolling out, you know, uh, you know, I'm always curious to get a better understanding of like, you know, who, you know, who who grows into the voices of your ecosystem? You know, how does this process happen? Who is it that's important to, uh, that should be uh, uh, communicating or broadcasting important developments? Uh, you know, the better we can understand that, the better we can kind of iterate on their service or kind of customize this feature for your team, right? And this is about, you know, other teams have a very centralized kind of structure uh, but you guys it's definitely not the case so
3: I, I, I can respond to that this is this is something of, of my specialty I'm looking at the, at the community dynamics and kind of how things evolve and so the, the idea that fluffy pony for the longest time has been somewhat of the face of Monero and it's not it's not because he's the lead developer because he's not he maintains the github that's he's one of seven of the core team and uh, he's been assigned by the core team to do different tasks, but just the idea that he was going around and giving talks um, about Monero when a lot of other people weren't, and so kind of he became the de facto face where people looked to, oh, that's the guy that always talks about Monero, so he kind of became the face behind Monero. And as a result of that, a lot of kind of It's not rumor, it's just misinformation of like, he leads Monero, he's the boss, you know, if I need something, talk to Fluffy Pony, and this is really not the case. And actually, it's been uh, been a struggle for the community because for the past few months, he's been trying to pull back on purpose to try to distance himself from that. But people just assume that work cannot get done unless Fluffy Pony is consulted. And so, for the past for the past few months, you know, it's been a struggle to kind of not the not the normal contributors. The normal contributors know this already, but to kind of kick people into gear, like, well, we don't need to talk to him. Just do what you do, you know. And so, letting letting leaders form naturally within the Monero community. And this might be what I'm about to say is it might be controversial to some. Like, well, we don't need leaders. You know, uh, decentralization doesn't need leaders. I I'm not convinced on that front. I, I think there are. People with different talents, and some people's talent is organizing and you know delegating and, and that type of thing, and 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 serving really is what it is, serving other people. And those people make great leaders and and great to lead the charge. And honestly, the, it's, it's it's an idealist viewpoint to say we don't need leaders, but sometimes there's just somebody who gets stuff done. Sometimes there's just somebody that takes that initiative that says, you know what, we've been talking about this uh, this idea for three months. I'm just I'm just going to do it. And that's people like, you know, XMR Halen, where he's like, you know what, I want to start an outreach PR work group or something. And he just did it. And bam, I mean, like, okay, now, now we're uh, setting stuff to Blockfolio and stuff like that. And so for sure, there's an element of trust within the community, even though the protocol is trustless, the community is not. And I think this is a big distinction that needs to be made because a lot of people try to say, well, as much as possible, we need to move to a trustless community. With our current technology, that's not possible. Uh, what we have is the ability to make trustless transactions with no third party, and that's awesome. But community-wise, it's not. And I'm sorry, it, it really just isn't. And so, you know, in terms of, well, who pushes stuff to Blockfolio, who, who, who can do it? In an ideal world, you would say anybody can do it, because in an ideal world, nobody would be trying to hurt the coin, the protocol, drag us down, whatever. And we don't necessarily know that to be the case, so uh but really it's, it is still up to the community because when somebody says hey I, i'm willing to, to push these updates or i'm willing to do this type of work uh, like i said XMR halen just kind of like that For said he just kind of popped out of nowhere and it was like well we don't know you well enough to fund you we don't know you well enough to give you this uh to give you this power block folio we don't know you well enough and so kind of to prove himself and to prove his goodwill, he he worked for free for a month a month and a half two months and he got a lot of stuff done and I, w- I was really impressed he got a lot done and didn't ask for anything in return that's some donations but um and then then we funded him and and you know there are still some safeguards so in regards to blockfolio he has that the, that password to push it out the core team has that password um i think i and justin have that um to, to uh that ability to kind of push those things ourselves and we're still feeling him out i have great feelings about and i think he's done great work but we're still kind of feeling him out as a community and, and uh, he's not super, super entrenched and, and ingrained there. And I think that's the, that sorry, i rambled for way too long, but I think that's the, the thing to, to really understand is that community is very hard to decentralize. Trust within people is uh, is very hard to decentralize. When we have a very narrow focus, it's, it can be, it's still difficult, but it's easier. And the narrow focus that we have in the narrow is transactions privately and without any third party. When you, within that scope, trustlessness is doable within an even broader scope of kind of community. It's not, it's not right now. And there are people that wish it was, but it's not. And so there's still, there's still that element of, of building trust of being around for a while of proving goodwill. Um, and we
5: haven't improved upon that yet. So that's what we got. I, th- I think you bring up some interesting things. I mean, you, you said there's a uh, seven core uh, members or something. You mentioned something like this. Is that correct? And then, yes. who are, yes. I'm just curious, you
3: know. Uh, who you who are the, these? Oh, who are they? Oh, so if yeah. you go to our website, getmonero.org community team, uh, you can see them. I, I can go ahead and pull that up right now. And SGP is usually good at linking everything that I say to the YouTube people. But I'll just go ahead and read these people out. Some of these people, we know who they are. We know their real names. Some of these people, we do not. So just keep that in mind. Uh, We have Fluffy Pony, Ricardo Spani, and he is one. We have uh, Francisco Cabañas, Arctic Mine, is what he goes by. Um, Auth, Authy, I don't know uh, if that's how you pronounce that. Smooth, Binary Fate, Luigi1111, but you can always find him as Luigi1112, 1113, or 111W, and Noodle Doodle. Uh, And these people have various... Uh, levels of engagement with the community. Some are more, more pulled back. Some do their own projects. Some only talk about technical stuff. Some talk to the community. Um, and so they, they all do different things. Um, and it's actually good, in my opinion, that some are kind of pulled back and doing their own stuff. So they're not so entrenched in the day-to-day that they're blinded when bigger decisions uh, kind of have to be made. And But the big thing is they're nobody's boss. Really, the core team is there because we want a decentralized world, but we live in a centralized reality. For example, somebody has to own a domain name. You can't just give it to a community, the domain name getmonero.org. So we would rather some trusted people be able to, uh, people trusted by the community and have already proved their goodwill, to be able to hold these types of assets. So their, their job is primarily to bridge the decentralized world we're trying to bring about with the centralized world that we currently live in, this reality that we actually live in. And so right. they, they're in charge of different things like um, operating the forum funding system, uh, using the general fund for their discretion, stuff like that. And uh, so, no, not not one of them is in charge or is the leader or tells anybody what to do. Uh, if I wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to make a different Monero website, I could. Go ahead and do that. Uh, the community would have to trust me that the binaries that I link to are not malicious and that the information is good. And the reason getmonero.org is trusted is because it's vetted by the community, it's open source, and it's um, it's vetted by the core team as
5: well. Um, so that that type of stuff. So, for instance, you know the way that the way that that structure is, you have seven core people that kind of like are doing fairly important things that. That, that you need this sort of uh, trustless group or this this trusted group to do. And, uh, you know, we're still kind of, we're building this communication platform from the ground up for this ecosystem, right? And so kind of hearing that, my, my feeling would be like, well, maybe we should have those seven people vote on who actually gets the voice, you know, or what, you know, or approve, it's, it's, it's like a board that approves, uh, you know, anybody can apply to have a broadcasting voice for Monero under signal. Uh, you would still have this trusted group that would kind of, you know, uh, agree. Yeah. I- almost very if somebody's going to be malicious or not, and that they've, they've kind of earned their spot to have that voice. Right. And, and, and I think each protocol, like as, as, as these protocols kind of like evolve or, or develop and the ecosystem grows, I don't think this is going to be the only time we would kind of like, uh, consider something like this, but I mean, I think this is, interesting how you guys have this you know i don't i personally don't like blockfolio being in the spot where it chooses who the gatekeepers are right i would rather the the, you know the 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 protocols and then the communities decide who they are i think that's a better approach right it just happens to be like you're saying in the beginning in the first version in our mvp this is going to be how how we have to do it in order to uh, deliver a usable product but uh, you know i think uh, what where we want to go with signal I think is, is 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 more along the lines of like actually um, doing something that 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 is that is going to be a product that delivers on the future that we all see, you know, kind of uh, growing.
0: Yeah, I, th- this- I think I think that um, even decentralized communities have some way of self-organizing, whether there's some formal process or not. So if you especially have small projects, if, if you're a Black Folio and you're reaching out to smaller projects, it's probably pretty clear that even though they want to be as decentralized as possible, they likely still have especially uh, people in that sort of core team-like capacity that have a significant amount of voice. And the people involved in that community likely are comfortable deferring to their opinion for the majority of, of matters that they would have. Um, If you have larger communities, uh, like perhaps Monero size or larger, typically those, if they truly have decentralization as as a key priority for them, they're not organized with a side company on the side you can speak with directly. Generally, the community will have some other way of just organizing. Uh, In Monero's case, it's the work groups. So it, it definitely takes more work to sort of find these people in the first place. And that's something that as our community work group we are trying to make it easier for people to contact the relevant sort of people a little bit easier. But even decentralized communities typically will essentially make their own, and hierarchy is the wrong word because there's not one person that necessarily has the final decision on anything. But they'll make these hierarchies of organization where someone will take on some certain responsibilities especially for open source projects, you are heavily reliant on people who volunteer their time and who just take their initiative to do things. So the best way for you to find people to speak with that the community likely feel the most comfortable with, look for the people that have consistently stepped up to take the initiative to do something and have continued like working on what they said they would do. And I know yeah. that is pretty vague, unfortunately, I would, uh, but in general, uh that's the sort of idea you can typically go with i I know like even with the monero community if you just went on our website uh, like the get monero website they have like a hangouts page to say where people or a lot of the community often spends time you could probably have just showed up and be like hey i work for black folio we're looking for monero influencers that the community generally has a positive view on and i think it, it might take you a little bit longer than sending an email directly to a company but i think it still would not be too difficult to find large influencers in the space um and i think that is probably similar for any of these uh, communities so i think that's my recommendation
5: yeah no no i appreciate that i mean it kind of of highlights one of the challenges that we have because i mean that just it just requires added effort to kind of uh to to really kind of something that's great for these decentralized communities that's really effective uh, you know, kind of for the decentralized nature, uh, you know, at the same time, trying to balance that with like, we want to build this framework, this communication platform that can scale and that we can get, you know, thousands of protocols on here that we, you know, anticipate are going to need this channel. And so, uh, you know, we only have so much bandwidth. And so like, we've actually toyed around with the idea of like, uh, creating some sort of advisory council and inviting some sort of the like, key decentralized communities to kind of come in and meet with us uh, over a period of a couple of days and help us kind of figure out what's the best way to design our platform uh, to kind of anticipate their needs and cater to their needs. Um, Because at the end of the day, like we we really do want, like I kind of, I think our goal is to, to, to kind of build this communication platform from the ground up that services the needs of these decentralized communities. And uh, I I think the communication platforms that exist today, uh, they, they don't, they don't really, um, do that that well. I mean, there's a lot of, they're, they're gamed often, there's a lot of noise in them, and uh, and we, we want to find some way to kind of uh, uh, get rid of all the noise and just have uh, quality, key information, substantial information about what's going on with these protocols. I mean, that's, that's, that's the objective. Yeah.
0: Okay. One
5: potential thought,
0: um, it might be This is kind of a roundabout way to perhaps get involved in in a lot of these communities, but it might be good for a long-term vision. If you just show up and start talking to people in these communities, it might be worth your time to talk about or ask these communities how they sort of organize a little bit, because that's ultimately how you sort of want to pick the people that represent themselves on your platform or represent these communities on your platform. So, if I mean, one of our goals is not like we're sort of still in the process of codifying that kind of ourselves here where we're trying to make things like as a community, we want to make make things as easy for all the influencers, including companies like Blockfolio or other companies that are perhaps less open to the idea of working with decentralized communities that we want to be. easy. We, we still want to make it as easy as possible for them while keeping as many of our principles as possible. So I think if it might be worth your time to sort of open that conversation with some of these communities, depending on how you really want to communicate with them. But it might, um, it may be worth the effort. It's just an idea out there.
5: Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I definitely, I, I think this, I'm actually really happy that I was on this show with you guys because no, it actually, it. May, I'm walking, I'm definitely going to walk away from this. Like I realize I'm going to, we're going to have to do a lot more studying. About Monero and kind of your needs, you know, because I know I think you guys kind of are are sort of like you, know, you are very much pioneers, you know, in a number of ways. Uh, and I think I think you guys, you know, you, you really are passionate about the decentralization. I mean, a lot of other uh, projects say they are, but they're not really. But I think uh, no, I, th- I think I think it's a, a um, Monero represents a protocol that if we if we studied you, I think I think would a, would a kind of a unlock a lot of insights. They'll be really useful for our, uh, our communication platform as it grows.
0: Diego, did you say you wanted to talk about something real quick? Uh,
3: well, sure, but uh, first Nipy says uh, he wants to give an update about the next Cake Wallet update. He wanted a little bit of time. Oh yeah, my um, bad.
0: Go, go ahead, NikePy.
2: Yeah, so of course CakeWallet is the Monero iOS wallet that I helped develop and we've got a lot of stuff planned for our next update, which should be coming in the next couple of weeks. So we've been doing this wallet for a long time, but we still haven't implemented some of the latest features like subaddresses, which is one of the key points of our next update. So we're adding sub-addresses, and then down the line in a little bit, we're going to be creating a multi-coin wallet, which should be great for anybody who wants to store Monero, along with other cryptocurrencies, in our wallet so that's pretty much all but we are also doing a redesign of the wallet which should be great we'll have some pictures of that up on r slash monero in the next few days if all goes right so stay tuned cool yeah,
0: anything else want to add? oh okay no uh, diego i guess it's your turn if you want to throw in something else there
3: Sure, uh, my turn is a is an oxymoron because it always seems like it's my turn. But I just wanted to talk about a couple of the questions that have, I, mean, I, know, I know we're re- really running short on time here. But there were a couple of questions asked by Neon Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine in the chat, and he just wanted. And so maybe we won't have time to go super in depth into this type of stuff. But he wanted to know uh, what what does Lightning, the Lightning Network, look like for Monero? Will it be helpful? Will it be beneficial? Um, does anybody have any?
0: have any insights onto that? It's enlightening. I I can take this, I guess. Unless uh, Brandon wants to speak up, I can talk about this at a higher level. I'm sorry,
1: guys. My uh, my, uh, microphone has been cutting in and out, so I just heard, if Brandon doesn't want to take this.
0: (laughs) Do you want to talk about Monero and Lightning Network?
1: Oh, gosh. No, I do not want to talk about that. It's, it, it, it'll happen. I mean, it, it'll happen, but uh, that's not in fitting in my brain today. No. <laughs> yeah. I
2: believe I saw a paper about something called Bolt, which was a more anonymous version of lightning network that would have been compatible with Monero, but I don't really have a full understanding of it since I didn't have that much time to read it. I think one of the
3: most important things to remember about lightning network is because it's a second layer solution, it's only going to be as strong as private and as anonymous ultimately as its first layer. And uh, I mean, that, that that is a very loaded statement with many, many asterisks. But that's kind of what it boils down to is that if your base layer is not fungible then you're really gonna run into unexpected problems with a lightning network down the line. They say, oh well this is gonna add privacy. This is gonna like for Bitcoin. This is gonna add privacy for Bitcoin. This is gonna add this type of well you're still settling on a main chain that is not fungible and on a main chain that's not private. So you can only do so much um with, with a second layer solution. Uh, and let's say you go from here to here with you know with Monero, you're already starting up here and you can go just that that much higher with something like Lightning Network. So it really it really helps Monero in my opinion a lot more than it would help Bitcoin. Um, but um, you know, they're, they're, if you just Google Lightning Network I am sure you will find a debate about how useful it is actually going to be period for anyone and everyone. There's different opinions around that whole thing. Uh, and we definitely don't have time to get into that right now. Uh, but th- that's my little spiel about that. Um, question. Yeah. Yep. If you had some, yeah, go for it, Justin.
0: Yeah, so in general, uh, Lightning Network is much more effective if it settles on an already private chain. So that's where Monero has a significant advantage over other, uh, really any other protocol that's, that's at least well used. Um, and so you can think of Lightning Network as mainly providing the benefits of efficiency. It uh, adds some trust uh, instead of just relying on The broad Monero ecosystem to settle transactions, you have some additional trust in the people operating the Lightning Network, which will inevitably be smaller since it's a subset essentially. But in general, if you're making smaller transactions, if you're making everyday transactions, what I would consider low risk transactions, then I think Lightning Network and Monero really fit well together for the vast majority of typical use cases. Not every use case, but uh, normal use cases and if you did have a, a, a strict use case you can always just use Monero directly at a slightly greater cost. Now um, there are some really cool things you can do with lightning. You can have like Monero and then as a side chain you basically have lightning and you can throw tumble bit in the, with there too. And so the good thing you can you can kind of think of these side chains as things you can match and put piece together to sort of meet the use case that you specifically have, it adds for a lot greater flexibility. So with Monero, I know the community is generally very open to having a lot of these second layer solutions. I mean, Tari is an example of a side chain that's trying to build a lot of other solutions on top or in conjunction with Monero. So that's just an example where I think there's a pretty bright future to look forward there, but it's not something that we're gonna see extremely immediately, especially when we have these other on-chain solutions uh, so improvements that are essentially taking priority at the moment. But these off-chain solutions are still very promising. Each of them has their own set of advantages and disadvantages. You can kind of work them together, use them in different ways to meet much more niche use cases. That's, that's the big reason why it's cool. And for the sake of going over time, um, at, at risk of going over time, and I know we already are, so if anyone needs to leave, we can salute you out. But I have one more important news I would. Oh, okay, Brandon. Bye, bye Brandon. Um, I have one more important news I think we want to talk about real quick. So, Coinbase <laughs> recently stated that they were exploring the option of adding support for Basic Attention Token, Stellar Lumens, Zcash, and Zero X. And I, we don't have time to talk about like all of these. So you can have your opinion on what was included, what was excluded. Obviously, probably everyone here wishes Monero was included, at least in some part in some way. But the really Im- relevant one for us is mostly the Zcash potential inclusion. And so I wanted to get a little bit of thoughts on that. Uh, now to be clear, in the announcement, Coinbase specifically said that they plan on they're they're mostly focusing only on including transparent transactions with Zcash. Not shielded. This is the same thing Gemini currently does, and so is this a? I mean, I'm sure in many ways it's a good thing for Zcash, but is it also like what potential is there for it to still be negative for them if, if we just they keep furthering adoption or entrenching their support structure on these transparent addresses? Does it make it harder for them in the future? And I don't know what is it good for Monero because it still helps the community. Is it good for privacy in general? What are the, what are the general
3: This is detrimental to Zcash, in my opinion, because if you have the most user-friendly applications in the space, and make no mistake, user-friendliness, user experience is the thing that any of the regular people are using. They are not using the Monero GUI. They are not using any of this stuff. They are using things like Coinbase. They are using things that make it stupid, stupid simple for them to do anything. And very few people are using anything else and very few people will ever use anything else. This is, this is a massive point. Um, and so if all of the current user-friendly implementations of Zcash only support transparent transactions, this is going to just further and further decrease the amount of shielded transactions that they're going to see um, used. And if it ever scales to mass adoption pretty much all of it will be transparent transactions this is i think it's exciting for zcash in some ways uh, and it's exciting for privacy in some ways because it gets the idea of privacy coins into people's minds as not being just completely awful which is great because they're not Um, but in terms of the actual implementation of zcash and zcash as it is today i think this will prove to be detrimental because it sets a precedent by gemini by coinbase that uh, transparent transactions are what we're all comfortable with as a community, as a global community, and so that's kind of what we're going to be using. And so it's not as big of a step ahead for privacy coins as people like to think. It's not as big of a step ahead for Zcash as people like to think. In fact, I think down the line, it will ultimately be detrimental.
0: So do you think we have a Zcash community will fall into a certain risk, uh, I suppose two major risks? So if people who operate on Coinbase use the shielded um, the shielded system, do you think their account will eventually be at risk? And thanks for coming here to get today's crypto changements. Now we're going over, so I appreciate you being here. So do you think that one major risk is that, uh, that they will essentially treat money that recently comes from the shielded pool as essentially tainted? And do you think that ultimately Zcash has... Uh, put itself at the wills of these large exchanges such as Gemini, such as coinbase to uh, that, that these these systems are large enough that there are a significant amount of this network's ecosystem that they essentially cannot move towards making better privacy improvements unless these exchanges either agree or are able to support them like like I know with Monero we, we sort of have a similar, Uh, We still are at a similar risk, um, but we at least have the situation now where the exchanges currently support uh, at least the network agreed level of privacy, right? So, uh, do you think that there'll be a. It will actually hurt their development? It's hard for me to necessarily. I don't know. The the
3: fact that you even asked that first question uh, is. Is it going to hurt them because it's going to because Coinbase has the ability to say, well, we're going to view shielded transactions as tainted. The fact that that is even a question to begin with already shows the failure of Zcash fungibility. And and I want to throw a disclaimer out there to maybe to the shock of some people. I really like Zcash and I support Zcash existing Um, in the same way that somebody needs to have the initiative to get something done. Zcash made brand new cryptography and some people would say, well, they shouldn't have launched it so soon. But. It's got to get vetted somehow, and they decided to vent it through uh, putting it and making it an actual product with money behind it and stuff like that. And even if they go down in flames, um, then, and heck, even if Monero goes down in flames, the important thing is that we furthered privacy. We've, we we built a foundation for other people to build on top of that. So with that disclaimer in mind... Um, the, the fact, yes, the fact that you even asked that first question already shows the failure of Zcash fungibility to me. That if, if the answer is, well, it's up to them. It depends on them whether or not they're going to blacklist this type of stuff. That That's a failure. That's already a failure. Um, and so with Monero, they don't have that option. The only option they have is, will we support Monero the coin or will we not? And. Uh, <sighs> That's what it comes down to for me. And the 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 second question is is it is it bad that they're putting their development into uh, uh, their development is maybe maybe stifled because of Gemini and Coinbase? Uh, that's not in their control, and I can't fault them for this. Uh, if Monero was to be adopted by Amazon just overnight, but then Amazon said we're only go- we're ne- we're never going to support sub addresses, and we're just going to do this. They can choose the portions of the protocol. I mean, that's obviously a, a very terrible example. Some addresses are... No, I guess I guess it's not. Um, but if you have someone that's, quote-unquote, too big to fail, and they decide that they're only going to be working with certain parts of your protocol or something like that, there's there's really nothing you can do about that. Every coin is at the mercy of a too big to fail organization, really, that they, they are. The only thing that you can do is launch your own version that has the other alternatives and try to get a user base around that and maybe you will depending on how in demand that function is. But everybody is at the mercy of two big to fail organizations and what they will support of your coin. There's just no going around that uh, because the people will flock to them and even though you're developing the protocol, they, they don't care what you say. They're really gonna care what Amazon says or what anybody DC says. So
0: okay. Any other thoughts from anyone before we wrap this up about 10 minutes late? Anyone
5: equals Ed. Or- yeah. No, thanks so much for uh, having me on. That was very interesting.
0: No, we really appreciate you having on making the time, especially on a weekend. I gave you, like, a day's notice for this, too, so I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for coming.
5: Yeah, happy, so, to, uh, happy to support you guys. Awesome.
0: So, uh, yeah, just letting everyone know as a quick reminder, we have these coffee chests every month. Next month, uh, we will try to do a live recording with many people in person at DEF CON. So hopefully that'll be working out. Uh, keep, in, keep updated with, uh, the community calendar, especially on the community, uh, Monero community subreddit just for thoughts related to the next month's coffee chat. We appreciate all of you watching today. Of course, we appreciate Diego and Ed especially for staying around to the end and, uh, yeah, I hope everyone has a great rest of their day and, uh, Yeah, any other questions, make sure you go to the official website, getmonero.org, and that's all I have. Catch you all later. Bye. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys.